There we go. That'll work better. Uh, if you would like, in your Bible, to begin finding the book of Lamentations, which may find you probably need to go to the table of contents, we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3. Those of you who are pre-K through first grade, I think you're ready to go to Miss Courtney over there, okay? So pre-K through first grade, you have an opportunity to go to a children's church time. Parents, if this is your first time with us and you have a pre-K through first grader and they would like to go that way, Kids are going to be in Elevate just a few extra minutes today. We're sending you out a little early, so be extra nice to Miss Courtney <laughs> this morning uh, because she's also getting ready for Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, we restart our Wednesday night meal and groups and kids' activities, so I hope, I hope you can be a part of that with our uh, church family this Wednesday night. If you're a guest of ours, at the end of our service today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to have a chance to sing the doxology, and after that, we will be down here at the front, and we would love to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, we want to pray with you this morning about that. Don't leave this room without talking to us about that. Also, if you're a guest of ours this morning, we're having our Discover Emmaus lunch over on the north side of the lobby. We'd love for you to be a part of that lunch with us afterward. It'll last less than an hour. It's a great chance to hear more about the church, and so we want you to, to be a part of that. Before we get into God's Word and begin to look at Scripture this morning and, and the sermon uh, topic that we have, here's what I need you to do next, and I hope you'll see this as an act of worship and, and not as a burden. <laughs> So as you were coming in, unless you covertly snuck by our junior and senior guys, you should have received a survey uh, to fill out. We do this every year uh, as a church, and if you feel like I just filled that survey out, it was a year ago, so that tells you something about the last year uh, that we've been through. So we do this every year. If you want to fill it out on your phone, our office staff would be so happy with you uh, because that's one less that they have to input manually uh, into the computer. So if you have, want to scan that QR code, you can fill it out on your phone and do it that way. If you prefer to fill it out on the piece of paper, that's totally fine. You'll drop it in a bin when we leave here in just a little bit. Why do we ask for your name? That's a good question. The reason we ask for your name is because there's a section in the survey where you can tell us some areas where you would like to serve in the church. So if you mark that you would like to serve with the kids, we want to be able to get in contact with you. So that's why we put your name on there. There are certain questions marked with an asterisk. Those are taken away from a person's name. They go in a completely different spreadsheet, and they are not connected to anybody's name. Those are considered confidential, and so they will not be tagged to your name in, in any way. So just know that that's how that works. Some of it's confidential. Some of it we need, need your name for. I know many of you have already filled this out before the service. Um, some of you will purposely wait to fill it out during my sermon. I'm not hurt by that. I can live with that. Um, but another opportunity to fill that survey out would be right now. We want you to be able to watch a video right now that talks about mission work that different people have been involved in. And I hope that watching this video will stir up your heart about what God is calling you to do in your life, how he's calling you to serve and then we're going to come out of this video, and we're going to read some verses, and we're going to have a time of prayer about things that are going on in the world. So fill out the survey, watch the video, open your heart to how God's at work in your life right now. Let's watch it right now. So what we want to do is just ask you about your time on the field. Oh, I could tell stories upon stories. Do I take the glasses off? Or? All right. We want the uncut version. Okay. I thought you were going to... Let me think about these questions before you ask them to me. <laughs> All right, you ready? 
First question. When you think back on your time overseas, what brings you joy? It's the relationships, sharing of life, the sharing of who Jesus is. The greatest joy of my time overseas definitely is people. 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 It's the people. 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 That the people that I got to meet. The lives that were changed. It's the people. People. It's definitely is people that flash before my eyes when I think about the joy on the field. What's one thing you wish you had known when you first went overseas that you know now? You really are not in control. I'm totally dependent on God. My best efforts would never get it done. Just been more genuine instead of more calculating. How integral my kids could be in ministry in a developing country that was very close to the gospel. How much the people become your family. That if you're not passionate about reaching lostness where you are, it's not going to grow when you go to a foreign land. To what degree did the Lottie Moon Christmas offering impact your work? There is no way we could have gone where we went without Lottie Moon. Tires were expensive to replace. I think he had the record in Kenya, changing 60 flats in one year. Wheelchairs. Textbooks. Housing. Surgery. Solar panels. Honda 185 motorcycle. It was kids on the back of this thing. Motocross all the way to church on Sunday. Torn Achilles, shoulder surgery. Without the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, I would be a mess. You know, I never would have gotten to the field if it wasn't for the local church. More than just an offering. Every penny that was given. Crucial, vital. Literacy work, education opportunities. A refugee center. Health care. We put in almost 300 wells. Trained church planters. Strategic. Lifeline. Cooperative effort for the gospel around the world. How has serving overseas changed you? I think no one could have told me when I moved overseas what it was like to be a minority. More sensitive to the needs of people around me. Rather than seeing a people group, I see people. More attuned to God's leadership. Ultimately confident in God. In your opinion, what do you think church leaders could do to increase involvement overseas? Marry the legacies of the past with the challenges of the future. Model what it means. Go yourself. People in the church will follow the example of their church leader. We're giving them a vision for missions, not just as something that happens when you get on an airplane, but helping them become stronger disciples of Christ in their own community. If we're involved in global work, it will impact our local work. He's brought the nations here. Refugees, migrant workers. Entrepreneurs looking for new ways to get into countries. The opportunities really are limitless. Last question. Being a missionary is blank. Whew. Just being who you are as a Christian. A calling? It's something that Jesus has asked all of us to do. It's making disciples. A challenge. An exciting adventure. It didn't look anything like I thought it was going to look. Waking up every day and asking, where is the Father at work and what would He have me do? To live out my life for Jesus in front of other people no matter where I live. There's nothing like it, nothing. So as we get ready to read the scripture this morning from Lamentations chapter three, 
We think about the needs around the world, and you just have to turn on the, uh, the TV, and you, you see those needs all around you. I want to tell you a particular way that we'll be praying this morning is praying for our friends in New Orleans uh, and the Gulf Coast region. It was 16 years ago today that I remember sitting at my aunt and uncle's house in Texas. Uh, Amanda and I had evacuated from New Orleans before and watching the imagery, um, watching Katrina come, and then now today to see, see what's unfolding this morning. And if I seem a little bit down or distracted this morning, it's for that reason. I just feel a really, really heavy weight this morning. Here's something interesting, though, as we, as we come into this time of prayer. We have a group of members who set up the Lord's Supper tables on, on Sunday mornings, and every Sunday that we set up the Lord's Supper, they'll select different table coverings, uh, different vestments for the, for the table, and they pray over that. They take that seriously. What, Lord, do we want this to look like? And this morning, there are purple uh, table coverings down here. Now, if you've ever been to New Orleans or know anything about that area, the color purple carries a lot of meaning. Uh, purple, green, gold, the colors of Mardi Gras, but even New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, where Amanda and I went to school, purple is the color of that school uh, when you think about that. And so I take it as no accident that there are purple table coverings this morning for the Lord's Supper, that we are gathered as the people of God uh, to pray to worship, to call on the Lord, and to remember our brothers and sisters around the world, and frankly, our brothers and sisters on the Gulf Coast that we're going to be responding to within days, uh, taking teams down there and being involved. And so I want to read these verses from Lamentations. I want to pray about that, and then we'll get into the course, the course of the sermon. We're in Lamentations chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 16. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. Hard verses, just to prepare you, hard verses. He has made my teeth to grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call the mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift this morning that we were able to sing songs about through the storm, you are still Lord of all, that we sing songs about Christ being the solid rock of our lives. God, when it feels like everything else might be falling, or on, falling down around us, everything else feels chaotic, we can hope and rest and trust in Christ. And God, I thank you for that rem reminder. God, we pray for our friends um, who are being impacted even now by the hurricane. God, we pray for them in the days to come and the recovery efforts that they will be able to share about the hope of Christ with people around them. And God, help us as a church family to be ready to respond, whether it's responding to a friend that lives next door, 
whether it's responding to something happening on the other side of the world or whether it's happening with this hurricane, God, we want to be a people ready to put our faith into action. We don't come here today to check off a box. We come here today to remember the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to go out and to live in that hope. And so God, send us out in that way. Remind us of your goodness and your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I've reached a point in my life, and and if I was honest with you, I reached this point uh, quite a while ago. Um, Roller coasters, they're just off the board for me. Uh, My day with roller coasters has has ended. Um, It used to be that was pretty much okay going up and down. I could even do shockwave loop-de-loops. Nothing going sideways was going to happen for me. Anything sideways was, was off the... Now the whole thing is gone. Like, I just cannot handle this in my body. I can't jump on the trampoline anymore with the kids without ruining the whole day. Like, if I jump on the trampoline for five minutes, you might as well mark that day off. It's over. Like, my body is just not responding well to that anymore. And, you know, we can avoid roller coasters for the most part when we reach a certain point in life. What you can't avoid is life itself. And life itself can be a roller coaster. Life is up and down and around and it spins and it feels out of control and it bounces you all over the place and you go through life like this and it just feels like things are out of control. And when I think about the Christian life, one of the things that gives us trouble in the Christian life is we imagine that the Christian life will always look like this right here. This graph that you're gonna see on the screen is how we imagine the Christian life going. It's always just up and to the right. Every day we're growing, every day is getting better, every day we're improving, we're always making this consistent progress. But the reality is that the Christian life often doesn't look like that, and it doesn't feel like that. We feel like things are more like this graph right here. Like that's my Christian life right there. Like that pretty much sums it up. We have unmet expectations, like I thought following Jesus was gonna look like this, and it's looked like this, We have suffering in our own life, or we see a friend suffering, and that sets us back. We deal with temptations that are frankly just sometimes embarrassing in their nature, and we feel shameful and guilt, and life is just all over the place. And what happens if we're not careful, and hear me out on this, sometimes a person begins to follow Jesus, and life starts to look like that, and they're like, ooh, time out, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I imagined the Christian life being like and they begin to back away, or they begin to feel like they've done something wrong, or they begin to not know where to turn next. This last uh, couple of months ago, in fact, I found a video of my Christian life, okay? And I want to show you this video of my Christian life. I'm not the boy, I'm the sheep, all right? I've been rescued, and, oh, right back in there who hasn't been there like you know like Jesus gets me out of this ditch life is moving on and I jump right back into the same ditch again like who hasn't been there in their Christian life we have to remember that when it comes to the Christian life we need fresh starts and those fresh starts come from the gospel of Jesus Christ Last week, we talked about the story of the prodigal son. We talked about the story of the prodigal son and how he is brought back into the house that no matter how far you've gone away from the Lord, 
that he is able to bring you back and, and that son is received back into the house. Think about that prodigal son for a moment. Do you think that he got back into the house and thought, man, I did all that and my dad let me come back and even gave me gifts? I can get away with anything. I'm just gonna live however I want. Do you think the prodigal son felt that way? I hope not, I don't think so. Because when we understand God's grace and mercy, it, it changes the way we think. Look at these verses here in, in Romans chapter five and six. The very end of Romans five says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So we've sinned greatly, but God's grace is able to cover that, so we're just gonna do whatever we want. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. We want to live differently. But that prodigal son, the prodigal son, when he was back in the house, do you think that there were times that he messed up? That he disobeyed the father? That things didn't go right? Absolutely, I bet there were. But in those moments, he knew he could turn back to the father because he had experienced the father's grace and mercy. Fresh starts. Write this down. Hold it dear in your life. This will be your guide going forward. Fresh starts in the Christian life are not just needed at the beginning of the Christian life. They are needed throughout your life. God's grace, his mercy, his salvation, the message of the gospel is not just something you need at the moment of salvation. It is something you need every day of our lives. We don't get started in the Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit and then just take over from there and figure out how to make this work. The same gospel that brought salvation and hope to your life the moment you trusted in Jesus is the same gospel message you need every day going forward because life is going to go all over the place and we need that gift of a fresh start. Now, here's what I wanna do for you today. I want to show you how that reality plays out in your life. And we're gonna start in Lamentations chapter three, those verses we read. Let's pick up in Lamentations three around verse 19 and, and see how this works itself out. It says there in, in verse 19 and 20, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, all the bitterness of my life. Remember these things that have happened. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Now, let me tell you something about the book of Lamentations. We're not gonna spend too much time on this book, but it's important to understand what's happening to understand these verses. The book of Lamentations is a crying out to God by the people who have been taken out of the Holy Land into exile in Babylon. And they are crying out about the suffering and anguish and pain that they're dealing with of going out of the promised land into Babylon, into exile. The way the book is set up is if you read the first half all the way up to this section of the book in chapter 3, which is the very middle, and you read the last half of the book, it's hard reading. Like, it is very gut-wrenching language about the suffering that the people are dealing with. So the beginning of the book and the end of the book are, are surrounded by suffering, except here in the very middle. And we find this message of hope. And we find here in this verse, in verse 20, my soul continually remembers all this pain and is bowed down within me. Our grief, our grief in life, is driven so much by what we remember, 
by what we dwell on, by what we think about. The people here, their souls are bowed down. They feel overwhelmed with life because all they can think about is what they've lost. All they can think about is the suffering that they're going in. And your demeanor every day, your ability to get through days, is driven so much by what we remember and think about. What is our mind set on? And so here, this author is struggling because all they can think about is everything that's going wrong, everything that they've lost. Verse 21, but this I call to mind. This I'm going to stick in my mind, and therefore I have hope. This is what I'm going to set my mind on. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So in the middle of this pain that they're experiencing in the book of Lamentations, either I can remember and constantly think about everything that's gone wrong and everything that is bad, or I have a chance every day to think about the steadfast love of the Lord, that his mercies are new every morning, that he is faithful no matter what comes in life. And the phrase I would really want to focus your attention on there is that phrase, new every morning. We have a chance because of the way that God has created the world and the way God works in our lives. We have a chance, and this is the first point this morning, we have a chance to experience daily fresh starts. The power of the gospel is such that every day we have a chance to experience a fresh start. Every day we have a chance to wake up and pray, look to God's word, remember the hope of the gospel, and say, Lord, yesterday I probably should have just stopped halfway through the day. Like it would have probably been a better day if I had just gone back to bed and tried again the next day because the day went so poorly. But the next day I get up and you are still faithful. The gospel is still true. The Holy Spirit is still powerful, and I can trust in you. The way God has established our lives, even through the act of sleep, we are able to experience daily fresh starts. That God sends us to sleep saying, guess what? You're not in control of the world. Go to sleep. I don't need you to do anything else. Lie there and trust in me, and when you wake up the next morning, you can wake up receiving that day as a gift from me. So my question for you is this. How are you doing at receiving daily fresh starts that the Lord gives you? Do you wake up the next morning primarily beating yourself up about the day before? Or do you wake up every morning saying, Lord, I only woke up because of your goodness and plan and faithfulness, and I'm going to receive this as a new day from you. I'm going to set my mind on you. I'm going to think about you. I'm going to seek to live for you today, knowing that you are in control of today and tonight, and we'll go back to bed trusting in you. Psalm chapter three, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid. God has created us in such a way that we go to sleep and we wake up and we experience his mercy and his goodness. I love the fact that in the Jewish reckoning of time, do you know when the day begins? It begins at sundown, not at sunup. So we live in such a way, we think of the day beginning at sunup, I better take off working really hard and try to make it through this day and then I'll be able to rest. In the Jewish reckoning of time, I'm gonna begin my day by doing what? Resting, sleeping, 
trusting in the Lord, and then from that rest, I'll wake up and do what God has put in front of me. I'll receive this as a gift from him. Don't want to take too long on this, but it needs to be said. Those of you who are in a situation where you're working shift hours, where you say, I would love to sleep during the night and wake up the next morning and go to work. My life doesn't work like this. You, more than anybody else here, need the strengthening of people around you, the hope of the body of the Christ, a family that comes around you and reminds you of the gospel because in seeking to provide for your family and seeking to do the job God's called you to do, your body is fighting against a natural rhythm that we were created to live out, and you're doing it in such a way you're trying to honor the Lord at your job, but trying to live out daily new mercies is hard when you're working shift hours, hard when you're working at night. So, number one, don't beat yourself up too much over that because you're, you're going into a situation that even the circumstances make it hard, but you need the hope of the gospel. <laughs> when you find yourself going to work late at night thinking, God, get me through this night so I can honor you with everything you put in front of me and allow family, friends, church to come around you, not to lay more guilt on you, but, but to support you through that. So that's first. Second, let me take you to another set of verses. We're going to go to the end of the New Testament. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. So that's point one about daily fresh starts. We need daily fresh starts. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 at, at the end of our Bible. Not the very end, but you're getting pretty close by the time you get to Hebrews. And we're going to start, we're going to think here about weekly reminders of the gospel. Weekly fresh starts. So first of all, we wanted to remember that every day the gospel is true. Every day we get a fresh start. Every day we remember what God has done for us. That same reality plays out on a weekly basis. Hebrews chapter 10, looking at verses 24 and 25. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another. That word stir up is a fun word. It, it, it has the idea of like pushing another person's buttons. So usually we think of that as a bad thing, like somebody in your life pushes your buttons and it makes you angry. This is a word about somebody pushes your buttons and it makes you do something good. It like leads you in the right direction. It provokes you. Siblings, for your parents own good, try this out. Like provoke your siblings to do good things instead of doing bad things. Um, let us consider how to push one another's buttons in order to lead to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Look at verse 25 there. What are we called to watch out for? Not neglecting to meet together. What would be the opposite of neglecting to meet together, it would be that we would find that we're not able to encourage one another. So meeting together and encouraging one another here are tied directly together. And this leads us to the hope of having weekly fresh starts. Every week, through God's design, as he gathers the people together for worship, he has given us a chance to remember his work in our lives. He's given us a chance to experience encouragement that we wouldn't experience otherwise, you go through a hard week, and you think, man, it'd be easy to skip church today. This week has been so hard, so difficult. The last thing I want to do is go to church. And yet, in those moments, what do we need most? 
We need the encouragement that comes with being a part of the church. Not just attending a religious service, but, but being encouraged. Having people around us who remind us uh, of the gospel and draw us back into that reality. When we talk to kids about baptism, one thing we always do, when we, well, not just kids, but adults, but especially kids, when we talk to kids about baptism, I ask them a couple of questions. <laughs> Number one, how many times in life is a person baptized? And they'll usually say, yeah, once. And usually that's the case unless there's confusion or something happens. But generally speaking, we think of baptism as something that happens one time in life and begins that process. Then I'll ask them, how many times in life do you take the Lord's Supper? And they'll look at me and know that it's a trick question and they're not sure what to say. And my answer in that is hundreds of times, hopefully thousands of times, that the Lord, Lord's Supper is this continual reminder that God has given us of the hope of the gospel. Baptism is a picture of salvation, how this begins. The Lord's Supper, when we gather with the church, is a continual fresh start, a continual reminder of what God has done in our lives. Again, think about the way a week is set up. Most people in the world, the way they go through the week is they work at the beginning in order to be able to rest at the end. So I'm going to pour myself into my work. I'm going to do all this work in order that I can rest, which when we say rest in that situation, we mean do whatever I want to. <laughs> so I'm going to work really hard so then I can rest and do whatever I want to. The way the Christian life works, the way God has set things up in his plan, is we rest in order to do the work that God has called us to do. So instead of a mindset that says, I have to work out on my own strength and my engine is, or my, my tank is going low and then I'm going to play or rest on the weekend to recharge, in the Christian life, I rest in Christ with the people of God, remembering the gospel, and then out of that rest, I do the work through the week that God has called me to do. It's a completely different mindset. And it's a mindset that says every week, God gives us the gift of a fresh start. Today, if you're hearing my voice, you have a chance to have a fresh start on the week coming up. You look at this last week and you might think, ugh, maybe not my best week ever. Maybe things didn't go always the way I planned. Maybe something didn't develop right at school. Whatever the case, fresh start. You've gathered with the people of God. You're gonna take the Lord's Supper. You're gonna remember that your hope is found in Christ. And then in that hope, He's going to send you out going forward. This fresh start mentality, it goes to a yearly basis. Think about the way that we get yearly reminders of, of how God works in our life. Just the church calendar, you go from Advent to Lent to Easter to Pentecost to experiencing the Christian life all throughout the year, and it takes you back to Advent, and we live through the message of the gospel. Can I encourage you? Don't waste birthdays or anniversaries, or other yearly reminders that come around in your life to reflect on the hope you have in Christ. Sometimes those anniversaries are hard anniversaries, like Katrina Day today with the hurricane. Maybe the anniversaries in your life are the loss of a loved one, the day that something didn't go the way you expected it to, and it was such a big life event, you always remember that day when it comes back around. God gives us a chance on a yearly basis to have fresh starts. Maybe you have a birthday coming up. <laughs> Maybe you have an anniversary coming up, and it's not been a good year for your marriage. 
fresh start, fresh start, fresh start. God takes us through life not expecting everything to go up and to the right. Most of us this week, this week is going to go like this. <laughs> it's going to go all over the place. And do you know what is true in the middle of that? God is faithful. The gospel is true. And the Holy Spirit has not stopped working in your life. We continue to seek after him. Let me point you to the last verses we're going to look at this morning. We're going to wrap up with this. You're already there in Hebrews chapter 10. Look at the end of that chapter. Why are we talking about these fresh starts? Because I want you to endure. Because I want you to keep going. Without fresh starts, you will not keep going in the life that God has called you to. Look at the very end of this chapter. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. My verse got cut off on the screen. It's verse 39 of chapter 10. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. That we are not going to throw away the confidence that we have in the Lord. The confidence that we have that God is good and faithful. The confidence we have that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. We have that confidence. We're not gonna back away from it. We're not gonna shrink away from that. We're gonna press ahead. And the only way you will continue to press ahead in the Christian life is you remember daily fresh starts, weekly fresh starts, yearly fresh starts. Be reminded of the gospel. Come back around to what Jesus has done for you. And this morning, we wanna help you do that through the taking of the Lord's Supper. That when we take the Lord's Supper together, what are we doing? We're remembering. We're remembering where our hope is found, that Jesus gave his body and his blood to destroy the power of sin and death and that we have new life. And one thing I love about taking the Lord's Supper is that it's so simple. It's such a simple meal. My kids are always quick to remind me how bad the t cracker tastes. <laughs> I know, it tastes really bad, like we understand that. Part of that though is a reminder of how simple the message is, of what Jesus has done in giving of his body, in giving his blood so that we could be forgiven. If you're here this morning and you've been very discouraged with your Christian life, I hope this morning is an encouragement to you to keep going. God has given you a fresh start. Do not give up. Keep going. What does God want to do in your life this week, tomorrow, because you trust in him? If you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, you're curious, you want to know more, but you're not a follower of Jesus, there's going to be verses on the screen behind me as we take the Lord's Supper. Read those verses, and immediately after we sing the last song, come and find me. I'd love to talk to you more about what it means to follow Jesus. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together as an act of worship, an act of a fresh start, remembering the hope we have in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that when people leave here today, they would remember that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not just something they needed on the day that they were saved, the day they trust in you, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day, tomorrow, when we wake up, that we would wake up remembering who you are and what you've done in our lives. 
Gather, when, we, when we go to sleep tonight, we go to sleep admitting that we are not in control of the world. And we go to sleep trusting in you. And God, help us to remember how important it is to have weekly fresh starts. It is so easy to get out of the habit of being a part of a church for a hundred different reasons it's easy. And, and many of those reasons are, are deeply emotional and, and difficult. But God, we need to be reminded that we're not in this alone. God, we need to be encouraged. We need to remember the hope of gathering with the people of God. And God, thank you that this morning is a fresh start. Whatever last week looked like, we have a fresh start in front of us to do the work you've called us to do. And so God, in this moment, as we take the Lord's Supper together, we trust you. We trust you and we commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 